sir. Psalm chapter number 54. And we're going to read the entire psalm. It's only seven verses. Psalm chapter number 54. And we'll go ahead and remain seated tonight. Uh, it's Wednesday evening and everyone's tired, but you can't fall asleep, okay? You got to promise you'll stay awake. Can you promise me you'll stay awake? Yeah, you can. Okay, all right. All two of you said, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Psalm chapter number 54, if you have a heading, if you have a Bible that gives you a heading above the Psalms, I don't know, not all of them have those headings, but this particular heading on this Psalm, I know the headings are not inspired of God, I understand that, uh, but listen to this heading, it says, to the chief musician on Niganoth, Maskil, a Psalm of David, when the Ziphims, the Ziphims came and said to Saul, doth not David hide himself with us? Uh, this is when Saul was hunting, chasing, uh, going after David, uh, and he was hiding. He's trying to uh, avoid being captured and, and, and having problems with the king. And so, uh, but these fellows, these, this, these folks called the Ziphims, they, they ratted him out. Uh, they uh, betrayed him, so to speak. Uh, and so this is where this psalm, these seven verses come from. Uh, David is going through that situation in his life. Look at verse number one of Psalm 54. The Bible says, save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. The title of the message this evening is Betrayal. Betrayal. Uh, he's being betrayed, David is, by the Ziphims, these, these folks here who uh, he was hiding amongst them. He was trying to avoid a confrontation with King Saul, and they ratted him out. They, they went and told Saul where he was, uh, and he feels betrayed. Now, of course, betrayal is much harder when it's someone that's close to us. And we know that these folks weren't necessarily his friends. He even says he calls them strangers. But nonetheless, it's still a betrayal. Uh, it still hurts. It's still painful. And so that's what we're going to look at this evening, the uh, topic of betrayal and how David handled it. And hopefully we can glean some principles for how we should handle it when people betray us. And so let's bow together for one last word of prayer and we'll get into the message. Father, we pray, dear God, that you would help us to learn from Psalm chapter number 54 and the various scripture passages that we will look at this evening. Lord, how we are to respond, how, are, how, we, are, uh, how we are to act when people do things to us that are... Uh, betraying type uh, uh, things, Lord, when people stab us in the back, when people uh, take advantage of us, when people do things that, that hurt us, Lord, please help us, give us your strength, give us your wisdom, that we might represent you in such a way that uh, those that are doing bad and negative things to us, Lord, would be convicted of their actions, and sometimes their words, Lord, please help us to honor you, we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I remember in high school, uh, I was in English class, and uh, I believe it was in my 11th grade year, and uh, my, my particular English teacher had made us read some Shakespeare-type stuff. Anybody remember having to read Shakespeare? And I didn't understand a word that that stuff said, 
And I'm like, what? who is this client, clown writing to? I can't understand this. Uh, but I do remember uh, learning about uh, the Shakespearean uh, a play, the Shakespearean uh, work that he did called Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Uh, from the play Julius Caesar comes the phrase, et tu, brute, et tu. How many of you heard that phrase? Et tu, brute. You know what that means. Uh, it means, you too, Brutus? You also, Brutus? You see, it's an expression used in that particular play uh, where uh, the senators, and, and it's based on factual events that happen in Roman history, uh, but it portrays the conspiracy against the Roman dictator, Julius Caesar. Uh, it portrays that play, Julius Caesar, it portrays his assassination, uh, the, the coup d'etat that they put together against him, and uh, his assassination, his murder, uh, and all that happened in the aftermath of that assassination. And although there is no proof in real life that Julius Caesar, uh, the real life person, actually said these words, uh, needless to say, in the play, he says, Et tu, Brute? You too, Brutus? Uh, basically, what he was getting at, uh, those last were, were the last words that he spoke uh, before he was murdered in that play. Uh, in March 15, 44 B.C., Julius Caesar was attacked by a group of Roman senators. Uh, they thought, or they were claiming to be ridding Rome of this horrible dictator. And included in that group of senators, included in that group that was betraying uh, the, the emperor, uh, was the man named Marcus Junius Brutus. And, and you think, well, what's the big deal? It's just another guy. No, no, no. This is not just another guy. Uh, this was a, a man. This was a person who was a very close friend to Julius Caesar. Uh, this was a person who was a close confidant to Julius Caesar. This was the one person that Julius Caesar thought never, never. Yeah, yeah he may have had some other ones that, that may, he may have thought, well, that person, you know, they don't like me very much or I don't get along with this guy very much. But never would he thought, would he think that Brutus would betray him. Never. That's why uh, after uh, they attack him and he sees his friend, he sees his confidant coming to to contribute to the assassination, contribute to the murder. He says, Ed too, Brute, you also? It can't be. Uh, Those were his last words before he passed. Now, initially, Julius Caesar in the play, initially he resisted the attackers. uh, But once he saw his friend Brutus... Uh, He said those words, and he resigned himself to his fate. Obviously, in our day and age, that quotation is used uh, widely as an epitome of betrayal, an epitome of someone going against us that we never thought would, Uh, someone doing something to us that we never thought could happen, Uh, someone uh, stabbing us in the back, someone uh, speaking evil of us whom we thought was a friend, someone betraying our trust and our confidence. I don't know if any of you have ever had someone do that to you, but I can raise my hand and say I have. I've had people betray me. I've had people whom I trusted turn their backs on me. I've had people, and probably most, if not all of us, could say the same thing. We've had someone who was close to us, someone who we thought was a friend, betray us. And just like that phrase describes the reaction of Julius Caesar uh, after his friend uh, conspired against him, so this psalm, this psalm addresses a group of people that betrayed David. Now, again, we've already stated the fact that they weren't necessarily close friends, but yet they still betrayed him. All right, let's let's look at it. Look at First Samuel chapter number twenty-three. 
First Samuel, turn there with me, if you will. First Samuel, chapter number 23. First Samuel, chapter number 23. And this is the, the discourse. This is the, the story, so to speak, of, of when this happened. Uh, of what that title of Psalm 54 is talking about. Uh, this is what David is responding to. Uh, this is what David is saying. Hey, why is this happening? I, I, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. First Samuel, chapter number 23. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 19. Verse number 19. The Bible says, then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, doth not David, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Joe, can you do me a small favor? Can you turn me down some more? I feel like I'm super loud. Um, uh, verse 19 again. Then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood in the hill of Hekilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now, therefore, O king, they're they're speaking to Saul. Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down. And our part shall be to deliver him, excuse me, deliver him into the king's hand. Hey, we'll give him to you. Uh, You just come down. Here's where he is. We know where he's hiding. We know where where his hideout spot is. If you come, we will turn him over to you. Uh, Verse number 21. And Saul said, blessed be ye of the Lord. For ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet and know and see his place where his haunt is. And and just if you're wondering what that word haunt means, that's a place where he frequents. That's a, a place where he resides. And where is he? That's the, that's what that word haunt means. And where his haunt is and who hath seen him there, for it is told me that he dealeth very subtly. Uh, verse 23. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me with certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall come to pass, if he be in the land, that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. Uh, turn to First Samuel chapter 26. Again, this, this is all happening in these chapters, in these passages. Uh, uh, Saul is hunting. Saul is chasing David. Uh, remember, he got upset when the, he came back from the victory over Goliath because the people, the nation was singing his praises and Saul had slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands and Saul became jealous uh, and Saul was trying to get rid of David. Uh, he didn't like David. First uh, Samuel 26, look at verse 1. Verse 1. And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hekilah, which is before Jeshimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. He's being betrayed. Uh, he's being uh, stabbed in the back. Uh, they're turning him in. Uh, he thought that he had safety. He thought that he was in a place where he would be protected. And they turned on him and they went to Saul and turned him in. He was betrayed. That's why he penned Psalm 54. Uh, that's why he said the words that he wrote as he was inspired of the Holy Spirit to write down in verse 1, Save me, O my God, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God. He's saying, Lord, what's happening? This isn't fair. This isn't right. They shouldn't do this. This is him pouring out his heart to God in Psalm chapter 54. So the question that I have for us this evening, the question that I have for you, and the question on the floor is, what do we do when someone betrays us? How do we handle a person that turns against us? Someone that stabs us in the back. What should we do? What should be our actions? What, what, what should be our response? Point number one. Point number one, if you're taking notes. Point number one, we should pray. We should first and foremost pray. That's the first thing that you and I should do when we feel betrayed, when we feel stabbed in the back, when we feel that someone's turned against us. 
Turn back to Psalm 54. Turn back to Psalm 54, and we'll see what David did. In Psalm chapter number 54, we're going to read verses 1 and verse 2 of Psalm 54. We should pray. Everybody with me in Psalm 54? Everybody awake? Not too warm, right? Okay. All right. Amen. Just checking. Psalm 54, look at verse 1. The Bible says, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Notice he's addressing the Lord. He's saying, Lord, I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. Verse 2, Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. His first response was prayer. I, I propose to you that in most Christians' cases, the first response is not prayer. That's the last resort is prayer. The first response in most cases is, I'm going to handle this on my own. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to retaliate. That's the fleshly response. And that's generally what rises up first. I'm not the only one that has that, right? Amen. We all have that response. We, we want to attack, attack back and we want to retaliate and, and someone speaks evil of us and we want to speak evil of them and someone posts something on social media that's, that's negative of us and, and we want to air out all their dirty laundry and, and we want to get them back and, and that's not what David did. He prayed to the Lord. Uh, listen to this, this funny illustration. Uh, Dr. Curtis Hudson told a story during one sermon on prayer uh, and, and he said, he said, my wife and I were traveling by airplane to a church for me to preach. And uh, Dr. Curtis Hudson, if you're not familiar with him, he's been with the Lord for, for decades now. Uh, but he used to be the editor of the uh, Sword of the Lord Christian publication, Christian uh, newspaper. Uh, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not advertising Sword of the Lord. Uh, there's good stuff in there. There's some stuff that I don't care for, but whatever. Needless to say, I like Dr. Curtis Hudson and I like his preaching. And so I quote him often because I read many of his books. Needless to say, uh, he said they were traveling from the preach. Uh, and once he had finished, they were headed back home to Murfreesboro, t- Tennessee. At the end, um, uh, at the airport, rather, she insisted that she carry my briefcase, referring to his wife. She insisted that she carry my briefcase. Now, uh, I didn't want her to carry my briefcase because inside my briefcase were hundreds of subscriptions to the sword of the Lord. Hundreds of subscriptions to the sword of the Lord, the, the, the newspaper that he was the editor of. And not only that, uh, all the payments that went along with those subscriptions. And so his wife, however, insisted. And she says to him, she says, I'm not a little child. I can care for the briefcase. And so he allowed her to carry his briefcase. However, when they got home, she gasped. She, he said, what's wrong, honey? And she says, your briefcase. I left it at the airport. Uh-oh. That'll, cause, that'll be a cause for some heated fellowship right there. Amen? Uh, and so that's what Trina and I have. We don't argue. We just have heated fellowship. Needless to say, um, he said in, in his story, he said, I immediately rebuked her and I took off for the airport in hopes of finding my briefcase. Uh, He says, my son, Tony, went with me. And just as we reached the airport, my son, Tony, asked me, he says, Dad, aren't you going to pray? (laughs) Aren't you going to pray, Dad? Aren't you going to pray about the briefcase? And and mind you, this is a, a, a guy that was a pastor for many years, a guy who was an evangelist for many years, a guy who knew the Lord. He was the editor of a, of a, of a Christian publication. And he says to his son, no, son, there's no need in praying about it. I'm sure that the briefcase is gone. And, and I'm sure that all the money is gone. And I'm sure that all the subscriptions will not be able to get to the people. And so uh, his son, he says, he says, uh, he insisted that I pray. And he responded to his son. He said, praying about that would be like praying that I put a gun to my head, pull the trigger, and pray not to get a headache. 
<laughs> he said praying for that would be like going around a corner at 90 miles an hour and expecting the car not to flip. Nevertheless, my son convinced me to pray. And the more I prayed about it, the better I felt. Now, what's the result of this, his story? He says, when I got to the airport, there were three police officers surrounding his briefcase. Interesting. The first response was not prayer. The first response was not uh, spiritual. The first responder, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, firefighters, and I'm talking about our, our first responder in our hearts is the flesh. That's the first response. You know it just as well as I do. Man, the flesh rises up. And, and when, when we're betrayed or when we're attacked or when we're spoken evil, man, the flesh wants to fight back. And the flesh does not want to act spiritual. The flesh wants to do what the flesh does. Act carnal. Uh, act unspiritual. And that's what he did. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. So we should pray. When someone betrays us, someone speaks evil of us, we should pray. Letter A. Several things that we should pray for. We should pray for, letter A, for our enticement. For our enticement, or another word for enticement, our temptation. Okay, because the temptation is to respond in the flesh. And we should ask the Lord to help us not to respond that way. All right, you're still in uh, Psalm 54. Look at verse number 3. Verse number 3. It says there in verse 3, For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. Uh, they have not said God before them. Selah. He says, strangers, they're risen up against me. They're seeking after my soul. They're trying to do me hurt. They're trying to destroy my life. They're trying to cause me problems. Lord, you see this. And in my flesh, I'd love to give them a piece of my mind. And God says to us, don't give away a piece of your mind. You don't have much to give away. Amen. <laughs> you don't have much left. Okay. Uh, listen, we want to tell them off and we want to set them straight and, and we want to set the record straight and we want to make sure everybody knows the truth. And God says, settle down. Take it easy. Maybe you should take some time to read. Maybe you should take some time to pray. Maybe you should take some time to allow your, your anger to settle. You see, the Bible says that a fool's wrath is presently known. A fool's wrath immediately, right away. Someone that's a fool, the Bible says, their wrath just comes out right away. You ever met someone like that? They say, well, you know, I can't help it. I just tell it like it is. That's who I am. Well, you can't help it. That may be who you are, but you can't help it. By the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't help it. And I hope and pray that we're not that person that says, well, I'm just telling it like it is. I tell people everything. If, it's, if I think it, I say it. And, and God says, you're a fool. You're a fool. Don't be that way. You see, our temptation is to fight back. Our temptation is to get even. Listen, when we're acting that way, we're being extremely immature. Immature. You know, because that's what babies do, right? When little toddlers or babies even, when they don't get their way, what do they do? They, they throw a fit, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. When, when children and, and immature young people, they don't get their way, they, they throw a fit and, and, they, and they kick and scream and they fuss and they feud until they get what they want. And so when we kick and scream and we fuss and we feud and we fight, we're acting like little babies. 
First Corinthians chapter three, verses one through four, the apostle Paul speaking to, uh, speaking to the church at Corinth was a very carnal church, very unspiritual church. He said in verse one of chapter three, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Babies. You're acting like babies. Verse 2, he goes on to say, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for as, for as rather there is among you envying and strife and divisions, fighting, fussing, feuding. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? He's saying you're acting like babies. And, and I can testify to you tonight, church, that at times... I act like a baby. <laughs> you know, sometimes people do and say things to me or something happens that I don't like and I respond just like a little toddler. I kick and I scream and I fuss and I feud. And at times, I even do that in front of my wife. And at times, I may even do that in front of my kids. And guess what they do? They look at me like I'm crazy. You know why? Because I'm acting crazy. Y'all with me tonight? And we're acting like little babies when we respond carnally, unspiritually. And so Paul said, you're acting like babies. You need to grow up. Now, let's look at a passage of Scripture that tells us to do the exact opposite. Turn to James chapter number, uh, James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4 says, instead of getting angry, instead of fighting, instead of fussing, instead of feuding, you need to pray. You need to pray. James chapter number 4. Look at it. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching to you something that I got mastered, okay? I understand. I don't have it mastered. I need help with this. I need the Holy Spirit to help me, uh, but I need the reminder. Look at James chapter number 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Verse 2. Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Notice here, he's saying, you're fighting, you're fussing, you're feuding. And the reason that you're doing that is because you're, you're wanting things, but you're not praying to God. Look at it in verse 2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Why? Because ye ask not. Because you're not praying. Look at verse 3. Verse number three, he says, instead of fighting, you need to pray. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. God is saying in James chapter four, he's saying in Psalm 54, he's saying, listen, instead of responding carnally, instead of getting angry, instead of responding, you know, unspiritually, he says, man, get on your knees and pray because you need it because I need it. Pray for your or for our enticement that you're not that you're not enticed or tempted to respond in a carnal way. The model prayer in Matthew chapter six, the Lord taught his disciples to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He didn't say deliver us from the temptation. He says you need to pray that God leads you not into the temptation. Matthew 26 and verse 41. Watch and pray. That ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hey, hey, Christian, I'm here to tell, remind all of us tonight, don't get sucked into the fight. Don't get sucked in. When people are, are, are saying things, betraying things, when, when they're doing uh, uh, stabbing in the back type things, when they're, po- listen, don't get sucked in. Don't get sucked in. 
Because when you do, you're warring, you're fighting, uh, you, you're, you're, you're doing things that are carnal, and it's not helping anything. It's just making matters worse. Listen to this illustration. A godly man was doing his morning devotion under a tree whose roots stretched out over a riverbank. During his meditation, he noticed that the river was rising and, and that there was a, a, a scorpion, a scorpion that was caught in the roots and, and was about to drown. He crawled out on those roots and he reached down to free the scorpion so it wouldn't drown. And, but every time he did so, uh, the scorpion struck at him, trying to sting him every time. And someone walked by and saw this thing happening and, and he said to him, he says, hey man, what are you doing? He says, don't you know that that's a scorpion? Don't you know that it's in the nature of the scorpion to want to sting? The man who was uh, previously doing his devotion, who saw this, this, this scorpion and was trying to save it, uh, he says, he says to that other person, he says, yeah, that, that may well be true. That may be the nature of the scorpion, but it's in my nature to love. And must I change my nature because the scorpion won't change his nature? Must I change who I truly am because they refuse to change? Must I become like him? Uh, And must I do the things that he's... Listen, what he's teaching us here is don't stoop to their level. Don't do what they do. Don't, Don't get drawn into the fight. Don't become part of the problem. My pastor in Baltimore used to say all the time to us as staff, he said, listen, when there's a fire, you don't take grease or gasoline to a fire. You take water to a fire. You don't want to make the fire bigger. And the things you say, the way you act, the way you respond at times makes problems bigger instead of smaller. You see, a mature Christian will take a big problem and he'll make it small. An immature Christian will take a small problem and he'll blow it out of proportion and make it really, really big. Which one are we? Let's be the mature Christian. Let's not be the immature Christian. We need to pray. Uh, we need to pray that we are not tempted to respond carnally. Let her be. Not only pray for our enticement, uh, we also need to pray for our enemies. Pray for our enemies. Psalm 54. Are you back in Psalm 54? Let's turn back to Psalm 54 if you're not there. And look at verse 3 once again. Verse 3 says, For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek my soul. Now look, look at this last phrase. They have not set God before them. Selah. They have not set God before them. In other words, he's saying uh, they are not saved. That could, it could mean that. Or it could also mean they're saved, but they're unspiritual. They have not said, God is not a priority to them. And we all know that there are Christians that God, uh, church and, and service to the Lord is not a priority. Uh, the world and, and the entertainment of the world, that's a priority. And so he's saying they have not said God before them. They're either unsaved or they're unspiritual. And he's saying, look, these people are not my friends. They're not my, my, my confidants. They're not someone, uh, they're, they're, they're my enemy. And I need to pray for them. Matthew chapter 5 uh, a, a portion of the Sermon on the, on the Mount, the Lord Jesus said some things that, man, just I struggle with. Not because they're wrong, just because I can't live up to them. Uh, he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Is anybody else like me and says, Lord, that is hard to do. That is hard to do. 
But listen, he does not say love when it feels good. He does not say love when you feel like it. He does not say love when it's convenient. He does not say love uh, when, 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 you, when you have the ooey-gooey feeling on the inside. To no, no, no. He says love even when they're stabbing you in the back. Love even when they're speaking evil of you. Love even, I'll be honest with you, I, I, there's one person in my life that anytime I, I, I'm reading verses like this, preaching a message like this, my mind always goes back to that one person. Every single time. And something had happened years ago with that one person that I felt betrayed, I felt stabbed in the back, I felt used and, and taken advantage of. I, that, I still feel that, but I read these passages and the Lord says, not only do you have to pray for that person, you have to forgive that person, and you have to treat them as if that thing never, ever happened. I mean, that's some, some top-notch Christianity right there. That's hard stuff. Interesting, uh, we were in Baltimore last week visiting family for Thanksgiving, and, and we were at a store, and guess who happened to come across? That person. Interesting, right? And you know what? I had to speak to that person. I had to be nice to that person. I had to be kind to that person. Uh, and, and, and my flesh, I'm telling you, my flesh wanted to just, rah, rah, I want to tell that person. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't be a baby. Don't be immature. Treat that person with respect, whether they deserve it or not. Peter Miller was a Baptist pastor. He lived in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. He enjoyed the friendship of George Washington, and in Ephrata also lived a man by the name of Michael Whitman. Michael Whitman was a wicked, sinful man who did all that he could, all that he could do to oppose and humiliate Pastor Miller. And one day, Michael Whitman was arrested for treason, and he was sentenced to die. Peter Miller, Pastor Peter Miller traveled 70 miles from Ephrata to Philadelphia on foot, on foot. And he pleaded for the life of that traitor who had been accused of treason. George Washington looked at him. He knew Pastor Miller. He looked at him. He says, no, Peter, I cannot grant you the life of your friend, your friend. Pastor Miller says, my friend, he's the bitterest enemy that I have. And George Washington said, what? You've walked 70 miles to save the life, not of a friend, but of an enemy? George Washington went on to say that puts the matter in a whole different light. And he granted the pardon for that man. I tell you what, I read something like that and I think, I'm not sure that I could do that. Uh, and I would need some, some serious Holy Spirit power and some serious Holy Spirit submission to act that way. But that's exactly what God expects from us. That's exactly what he expects. So what's the first thing that we should do uh, when someone betrays us, someone stabs us in the back? We should, we should pray. We should pray. Number two, not only should we pray, we should praise. We should praise. Uh, there are several reasons why uh, the, the, uh, David wrote in Psalm 54 the things that he wrote. Obviously, we know he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but there were circumstances in his life. He says, man, I need to pray. I need to pray for these Ziphites. I need to pray for these people that are turning me in, betraying me. Uh, but I also need to praise God because letter A under point number two, because no matter what's happening, no matter how bad the betrayal, and no matter who's stabbing me in the back, because God is good. God is good. Listen, if, if, if we live a life that's decrepit and, and, and if we live a life that's just 
poor and needy and, and we live a life that, I mean, has no earthly value. We live a life that's just a, a struggle. All, listen, if we live a life that's horrible and we still go to heaven and we don't go to hell, God's been good. God's been good to us. Uh, look at Psalm 54. Look at verse number 6. Verse 6 says, I, w- I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Look at verse 54. Uh, verse 4, rather, Psalm 54. Verse 4. It says, Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Uh, David here is reminded, oh, yes, I'm being betrayed. Oh, yes, I- I'm being stabbed in the back. Oh, yes, I'm-, I'm having evil things happen to me. But God has still been good to me. God has blessed me beyond measure. God has blessed me way more than I deserve, and so I need to praise him. I need to thank him for his goodness. I like Psalm 84 and verse 11 where the Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. I like Psalm 73 and verse 1 where the Bible says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. I like James chapter 1 and verse 17 where the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights uh, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God's been good to you. God's been good to me. No matter how hard we've had it, no matter how difficult life gets, God has been good to us. I like Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 where the Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God's good to us. God's good to us. Psalm 34 and verse 10, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want, shall not lack any good thing. Listen, I don't know about you, but I got all kinds of things that I could complain about. But I got a whole lot more things that I could praise God about. Y- y'all with me? You know, we have this tendency, you know, when it's too, when, when the sun's out, it's too hot. You know, uh, when the snow in the air is too cold. You know, we have this tendency to always look at the, the negative, the negative, the negative. And God says, hey, you need to flip the script. Flip the script. The glass is not half empty. The glass is half full. Hey, you know, it could be a whole lot worse. You know, your life, you, you, you may have some problems, you may have some struggles, but there are other people that have greater problems and greater struggles, and some of them aren't even saved. God's been good to us. There was a little old lady uh, who every morning she would step out on her front porch and she would raise her arms to the sky and she would shout, Praise the Lord! Uh, one day, an atheist moved into the house next door to this old lady. He became irritated. He became irritated every time she would step out uh, on her porch and she would shout, praise the Lord. And every morning he'd step onto his front porch and after her, he would yell, there is no Lord. She would shout, praise the Lord. He would shout, there is no Lord. And time passed uh, with the two of them carrying on this way every single day. One morning in the middle of winter, the little old lady stepped onto her front porch and she shouted, praise the Lord. And. Please, Lord, I have no food and I am starving. Provide for me, O Lord. The next morning, she stepped onto her front porch and there were two huge bags of groceries sitting there. She cried out as she always did, praise the Lord. And the atheist neighbor, he jumped out from the hedges and he shouted, there is no Lord. I bought those groceries. There is no God. And the old lady said, Praise the Lord. God provided me with groceries and he made the devil pay for them. (laughs) 
we can always find something to praise the Lord for. We can always find something to praise the Lord for. Uh, let's make sure we remember God is good. God is good. No matter how hard, no matter how difficult, God is good to you. God is good to me. So let's make sure we pray. Let's make sure we praise uh, because God is good. Let it be. And lastly, let it be because God is gracious. Because God is gracious. Psalm 54, verse number 5. Verse number 5. The Bible says, He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. God will handle them. God will take care of them. Uh, Let the Lord fight your battles. Uh, Let him uh, repay, as the Bible says in in the New Testament, uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Let God handle it. Guess what? Guess what, church? God can handle them a whole lot better than we can. Amen? Uh, Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. He hath delivered me out of all trouble. And mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. What's he saying? He's saying, I remember when God delivered me before. I know he'll deliver me this time. I remember, uh, as a matter of fact, in Psalm 37, verse 25, he says, I have been young, now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He says, I know God's reputation, I know his character, and and I know uh, that he has provided for me in the past, he's protected me in the past, he'll do it for me again. He's been gracious. He's been gracious. Lily Baltrip was a good bus driver. In fact, according to the Fort Worth, Fort Worth rather, Star-Telegram, uh, that particular periodical, on June 17, 1988, the Houston School District nominated uh, bus driver Lily Waltrip for a safe driving award. Her colleagues even trusted her to drive a busload of them to the awards ceremony for safe drivers. As she was driving to the ceremony, Lily turned a corner a little too sharply and she flipped the bus sending herself and 16 others to the hospital. Now, remember, she was getting the Save Driver Award, going to the Save Driver Award ceremony to receive the Save Driver Award, and unfortunately, she made a mistake, and it wasn't very safe. Now, do you think that those folks in charge still gave her the award? Unfortunately, they did not. The award committees rarely operate on the principle of grace, Uh, How fortunate we are that even when we don't maintain a spotless record, uh, our final reward depends not on our performance, but on his grace. His grace. Aren't you glad that we don't have to be perfect? Aren't you glad that we don't have to do everything right? Aren't you glad? Now, that doesn't give us a license to go ahead and do everything wrong, but, but thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. Listen, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know who has stabbed you in the back. I don't know who has betrayed you. I don't know what horrific thing has happened in your life. But whatever it is, God is telling us in Psalm 54, let's make sure we pray for ourselves, pray for our enemies, and praise him because it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, praise him because the worst that can happen to us uh, is, 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 is bad things here on earth. Eventually, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And we don't have to worry about going to hell and spending eternity separated from God uh, in a a place where the fire is never quenched, where the worm dieth not, uh, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. We don't have to experience that. God's been good to us. God's been gracious to us. Uh, Let's make sure we remember the next time it snows. God's been good to us. 
let's make, make sure we remember next time we get a flat tire. God's been good to us. Uh, let's make sure we remember next time there's a, a car trouble. God's been good to us. Let's make sure we remember next time we have to pay for that repair at the house. God's been good to us. He's been gracious to us. Uh, let's praise him. He deserves and he warrants our praise. He's been good. He's been gracious. Ed too, Brute? You too, Brutus? Seriously? Okay. All right. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. And I'm going to pray that God is glorified in this circumstance, in this situation. I, I, you know, I didn't choose this particular sermon because of what happened last week. It just, that's not even part of my notes. It just so happens that that happened last week to me. I was confronted with someone whom I got a hard time with. And I thank God that he's taught me. Listen, I've been good to you. I've been gracious to you. You need to be gracious to them as well. Let's let's live like Christ. Let's not be babies. Let's not be immature. Let's respond with a Christ-like spirit and a Christ-like attitude. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would please help each and every one of us here tonight to develop an attitude and a spirit, dear God, that pleases you. Lord, when our flesh wants to rise up, when our, our, our natural spirit, which our natural man, Lord, wants to, to, to attack and retaliate, Lord, please convict us. Help us not to be foolish. Help us not to be childish. Lord, help us not to be immature, but Lord, help us to respond in such a way where others will be drawn to you. Others will be drawn to the grace that you have to offer them because of the grace that we share with them. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being good. Even in those hard times, help us, Lord, to respond with prayer and with praise. We do love you. Dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray.